When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Baldly Go, the officially unofficial podcast for all of Star Trek. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking Season 2, Episode 6 of Strange New Worlds, Lost in Translation. Uh, Aaron, how'd you feel about this Uhura-centric episode? I like the Uhura eccentricity. Uh, I'm sorry, centricity, uh, whatever. Yes. I, I, think, I think this... Um, the more Star Trek you've seen, maybe the less impressive this episode is because this definitely feels like a remix of like themes that have happened again and again and again. Like, you know, we are trying to exploit the resource. It's harming something that we didn't know about. And do we continue the naked acquisition of greed or do we stop to spare the ecosystem? Um, you know, this is the Horta. This is Data's uh, nanite crystal uh, things from that one report. Like this, this happens in Star Trek a lot. Um, mm-hmm. And also, mix I thought is interesting because, like, I was I thought it's like, wow, we do not see the inside of a nacelle very much at all. Yes. And I, in fact, I think this might be the first time. So I did some research. Turns out there's a season seven episode of uh, Star Trek: The Next Generation called "Eye of the Beholder." where Deanna goes into the nacelle because an ensign has committed suicide in there to investigate. And she, the entire episode is like, takes place in the three or four seconds that a psychic echo of someone who died building the enterprise in the utopia planitia shipyards. Wow. The psychic echo was causing people who are empathic to commit suicide whenever they're, so it's like there's this kind of like um, the idea that something is connecting to a highly empathetic person uh, to get them to, you know, to do do something. Like I said, it feels like a lot of remix of Star Trek ideas, but it's it's fine. It's fine. Um, and like I said, I really liked fleshing out Uhura's character. I like mm-hmm. that we're getting a lot of Jim Kirk. I don't know mm-hmm. how they're going to continue to have him in the series as much and to not feel forced. But so far, they're doing it. Uh, yeah, this, this felt a little forced, but all right, I'll allow it. A little forced? Why? He's celebrating a promotion with his brother? Like, that's something you do. Yeah. I don't know. They're out on the edge of the explored, of the known explored galaxy, and here he is showing up for a meet and greet with his brother on his birthday. Yeah. Yeah. A little forced. So like I said, with their location, sto- it's a little forced, but whatever. Uh, the bottom line, I think storyline is okay. Character work, uh, well above average. I like this episode. It's fine. Not 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 great, but it's it's good. What about you? Mm-hmm. Uh, can, can I ask you, have you ever seen a Bassard Ram, uh, Bassard Ram Scoop used? I have this might seen be the first time I've seen that. Uh-huh. Reversed to, as a threat display to, the, yep. wasn't it the, the Packlids, the, we look for things to make, make, make <laughs> us go? They're I, stupid I think, enough to think that's a threat, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but no, that was that was I was excited to see the Bassard Ram scoops scooping. Yeah, me too. 
uh, I thought it was cool. I, I, I don't know. That effect looked really good too, of them kind of opening up and swirling around and scooping in some deuterium. Uh, I thought it was cool. Here's the thing. I enjoyed this episode. I think it's misplaced. I think this episode belongs in season one. Like, I know it was very close to the finale. You kind of can't... You needed that finale, but you kind of needed an extra episode in season one or to move the death of Himmer around because it feels much too late to be worried about the death of Himmer so intensely. I I think they needed this to follow that much more closely to hit uh, emotionally in the way that they wanted. But other than that, I have very little problems with it. I enjoyed it. Um, I see what you're saying. I think it's interesting because like most of the time, especially in Star Trek, that has very little continuity. If a major character dies, they're going to grapple with it. that episode or the next episode. Then probably, mm-hmm. you know, like yeah, Tashiar dies and they you know deal with it. And then the only time they deal with it again is every, th- you know, every two or three seasons. You remind that they had a sexual relationship with a human woman and they draw, they pull out the Tashiar hologram and uh-huh. there's your reminder. Um, so like, I kind of think it's cool that they are showing the crew's ongoing mourning, and it's not just one character. That's like Una yeah. Riley was having problems, Uhura's having problems with it. So I guess I don't mm-hmm. mind, but because I was thinking, yeah, it is weird to be in episode six and dealing with something that happened in episode nine of last season. But on the other hand, I'm like, okay, what if this was the first episode? But then and like that, that, that fucks up better, the yeah. on with the Kirk. And I really like the right. Her, they they have you know. a problem with with it, it, these things are so interconnected, right? That that's yeah. more so than a typical Star Trek episode. That's the problem with continuity, right? Yeah. You actually have to, yeah. So so they kind of had a chicken and egg thing here, where I needed Himmer's death to be more fresh in my mind as a viewer um, to really feel it. But you also needed to set up Pelia. You needed to, like you said, have right. the Lon Kirk stuff, so it would be meaningful, um, and have Kirk there and like. All that stuff needs to happen, but also it needs to be a little closer to the event, I thought. Episode two, yeah. episode three, maybe? I think you're saying, that, like, I, I again, this this episode felt like it was a little bit assembled from spare Star Trek parts. And, um, you know, I think you talking about the pacing overall of the season, that we've had some, like, mm-hmm. really interesting sci-fi takes I haven't seen before. We've seen some action-packed episodes, seen some hilarious character work, and this one just kind of felt like, eh, it's an episode. Um, yeah, and, I like the universal uh, translator angle of this, where they're comparing it to that, and, and uh, you know, it's it's not so much like a direct empathic communication like you would get with Dana Troy, but it's like using right. your own memories to try and convey something. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, or uh, you're conveying an emotional payload, and then your brain tries to interpret that in the way it makes sense yeah. to you. I thought that's 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 solid. Yeah, it, it was neat, and I'm sure it's something that's also been done several times in Star Trek before. But right, I don't remember it, so it was kind of fresh to me. Yeah, it's no uh, Darmok at Jalad when the, the walls fall. No. Fall, but uh, it's not Jalad. Darmok at uh-huh. is it Jalad and and Jalad at Tanagra yeah at Tanagra when the walls fell yep um okay yeah no I like I said it's 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 fine it's not the worst episode of Star Trek I've ever seen it's not the no. best episode of course. that's Star Trek sometimes mm-hmm. Star Trek also, most of the time also uh they kind of were kind of like bearing the lead the the climactic meeting of James T Kirk and Spock happened and 
What do you think about yeah. that? Because that's another thing where this episode's kind of leaving me cold because it's a moment and they treat it as such, but it's kind Wasn't of like earned. a nothing moment. Yeah, yeah. What was the rest of the episode earning that? No, I. I it feels like a tacked on thing, but it should be this momentous thing, and they try and play it that way. And I didn't. I, I didn't feel it. I, I, yeah. I, and that's not even true. They do a good job in that scene. Mm-hmm. But it's just one scene in an episode that has roughly nothing to do with that. Well, these are like two of the most hollowed characters in Star Trek canon. And the fact that they just meet at a bar, you know, talking over the the, the denouement of Uhura's episode is like, I thought that they would be like, I always thought that they would be butting heads. You know that they would. There's such a such a wild mix of characteristics that would take them a while to fully appreciate. Yeah. Now, of course, you come to the bar and like I don't know that Jim Kirk is the type of guy that's like, "Hey, I'm a Vulcan. Ah, <laughs> oh, you logical bastard. I'm a man of passion <laughs> right. and emotion." Punch him in the face. But like, I kind of uh-huh. wanted you know a mission that would yes. that would highlight that would show that they have these very different approaches. But I don't know. Maybe they have a meet cute and then they uh, have to work together in a later season, a later episode. I hope a later season. And they do have because like I, I that's what my impression that they they always had. It was something that wasn't like an easy friendship. Right. They, I think that leads to some of the best friendships is like when you have to overcome like a difference of opinion, a difference of culture, difference of lifestyle. Um, so, yeah, I, I thought it was kind of a weird kind of like, hey, look, oh, Spock and Kirk shaking hands. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It felt like too big of a moment to be given the treatment it got. Um, but we'll see. There's there's time, you know. They could do a an episode with them having the well, it's relationship. One of those we expect. Where there's only so many big moments that this show can have in mm. terms of like, you know, us meeting people for the first time. And, you know, there's a couple like Scotty is a big one. You know, we've had a revolving chief engineer. Uh eventually we're gonna get McCoy, I imagine, like towards the end of the series. I don't know if they're actually gonna go all the way to that era of Star Trek. Um but like there's only so many and like we've gotten through like we've already met uh kirk mm-hmm. uhura, in the captain's chair uh, it, it felt like a big episode for kirk and uhura for sure i just don't know if they needed to tack on the spock stuff yet kind of yeah. I, I wish they would have given that its own episode yeah we should anyway. probably talk about this episode yeah let's get into the recap set phasers to add we'll be right back Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. getting geared up for the 6th annual Summer Badass Fest. And while we're working on a slate of apex badass films to enjoy, we've got an early action-packed announcement to make. Just like last year, we're kicking off Badass Season with a live movie watch and podcast recording. We've rented out a theater for connoisseurs of action films and bald move fans that just want to have a great time. Unlike last year, this year's movie is top secret. Hush, hush. No hints. Except, it's incredibly badass. It stars an absolute icon of the genre. 
We're willing to bet most of you haven't seen it, and it's going to be an incredible viewing experience with a packed house of bald movers. Those of you who came to last year's screening of Total Recall know what a party it was. And those of you who didn't, <laughs> now's your chance to experience it. Meet me and Jim, order some custom movie-themed drinks at the theater's full bar, then watch us record the full podcast for the movie. We reserved a venue over twice the size as last year, but seating is still limited. It's happening Friday, 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 June 21st at 7 p.m. in our hometown of Cincinnati. Get full details and buy tickets at baldmove.com slash live. Cincinnati's actually a pretty great city to visit, and we've got lots of details for side adventures on our event page as well. The Reds are playing the Boston Red Sox in their fantastic Riverside Stadium. The thrills of Kings Island just minutes away, and I'll be leading a kayak trip down the scenic Little Miami River on Saturday. Again, get full details and get your tickets now on our Badass Fest 6 page at baldmove.com slash live live. Captain on Bridge, welcome back to Baldly Go. We start off with uh, a comms officer log from Uhura who says the Enterprise is going to a nebula where there's a deuterium mining operation. Starfleet's trying to get off the ground. It's had some problems. Uh, on the bridge, Uhura's tired. Spock suggests they refuel uh, by collecting some of that deuterium since they're here. And they do, and then Uhura hears a signal that seems like she can't replicate it which is strange. There's no recording of it. Just kind of in her head. Uh, I also didn't mention that Pike has got to upgrade temporarily to fleet captain and they make some noise about that. Yeah, he's got a new shiny insignia. His cat, mm-hmm. his uh, communicator now has a black circle around it, which I, I suppose um, indicates that he's captain of the fleet. Yeah. And it's like, you know, he's like, yeah, fleet. I got the Farragut and this gas station at my command. And, dispo- and I'm, I'm going to end up destroying my, one of my commands by the end of this episode. But uh, yeah. And they're going to take it away from me as soon as the mission's over. So don't get too excited. Nice to see a non-personal log entry uh, from a Starfleet officer to begin the episode. Like we've had so many personal uh-huh. fucking logs. Work. This is business. We're doing some business this episode. Yeah. Um, I like- and they talk about the importance of this particular location, how it... Could be a jumping off point for the next great age of exploration. And it's also pretty close to Gorn space, which that was a plot point they brought up. Um, They were worried about the Gorn kind of encroaching and getting closer and something coming their way from Gorn space. And they have kind of dropped that until now. This is the second mention we've had of it. No, I'm glad like uh, Gorn's the big bad. Like, you know, they made a big impression last season. I think that could be cool. Uh, mm-hmm. But like also in prototypical Starfleet uh, fashion, they're trying to, you know, say like, oh, we're here because this is at the frontier of exploration and it's going to be it's going to unlock a quarter of the whole quadrant. And then so it's like, also, isn't it close to Gordon space? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, that's uh, we might have to go. to, But it's like, you know, the the Federation's the classic, you know, to if you want peace, prepare for war kind of thing. feel like they're packum bellum or whatever the fuck uh john wick latin applies here i feel, uh, feel like they're yeah. doing that they're preparing for war mm-hmm. and also, also where they 
bust open the Bassard collectors and the Bassard tubes, man. Fucking love yeah. it. Someone, someone's read the technical manuals and we're as, as, as excited to see. Uh, and it's so like, I guess we should say this for fans that don't know. For the longest time, it's been established in technical jargon and lore and episodes like the, the pack lids where they 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 um, reverse flush the deuterium through the scoops and made this big red mist appear in front of the Enterprise as a fake weapon to scare someone away without killing them. Uh, but the idea is like uh, that the Enterprise is self-sufficient. It uh, if it needs to, if it runs out of its gas as deuterium uh, fuel, it can use these Bassard scoops that use magnetic fields to funnel interstellar hydrogen uh, isotopes into the collector that can then go to the main engine. Um, and there's also a process where they can turn matter into antimatter by right. applying some kind of unknown physical force to reverse the polarity of the, the matter. So like the Enterprise, and it, they always mention it, this is like emergency survival, you'll be, le- you, know, you cannot collect enough fuel like to top off your tanks and certainly the antimatter part. But like mm-hmm. it's something I always thought that was cool that like there's no way for the Enterprise to actually run out of gas as long as it's got propulsion mm-hmm. um, and it's near a uh, uh, hydrogen rich enough place, I guess. And it doesn't go too fast through the cloud of deuterium because yeah, makes a the point that yeah they can use more than... fuel than they gain, which yeah, okay. So I yeah I've been wanting to see this since I was like 13 years old. Super cool to see finally. Yeah. Then Uhura goes to uh, Nacelle. I forget which Nacelle. The port Nacelle, maybe? I can't remember. Uh, to recalibrate the communications array with some help from recordings that Himmer made with her. Uh, Pelia tries to strike up a conversation, but Uhura's busy, so she only gives her the most basic of attention. And she goes back to watching Himmer fondly in this scene. She's watching Uhura tube. This very much felt like <laughs> Hammer's series on how to maintain port nacelles or communication systems. Yeah, no, it uh, it, and it's, it it turns out that's exactly what it is. No, it's it's great. I thought Hammer was one of my favorite characters last season. I was sad to see him go, and I was actually kind of happy to see you know him him back and and because it, it yeah I, I'm with you. It never really sat. In fact, did I not say this in episode one or two that never quite sat well with me that they just moved on from Himmer. Um mm-hmm. so like given like you know this episode of, of having like a, a a few of the crew you know kind of check in how they're feeling about him I thought it was appropriate. Yeah. And he makes for a terrifying zombie turns out. Oh yeah. I uh, thought the, the yep. That I also just the, I thought the Nacelle control room was also a really cool set. Mm-hmm. I love like how you can just tell like the the red window in the front. That's the one that the points to the, the 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 scoop, and then you see the big warp coils is going on in an endless hallway. That's the nacelle. It's like I don't know. I think that's that's cool. The idea that you you ride an elevator to the top of this pylon, and boom, here's where the magic mm-hmm. happens. Super cool. Yeah, this set very much felt to me more like the original series than any of the sets that we see it didn't mm. didn't quite have the sleekest of updates like you know all the bridge and conference rooms and corridors and stuff do so i don't know maybe maybe that's just me but it felt more like the original series yeah no i can see it all right let's go to pike and una talking about why the enterprise was sent to get uh, the refinery operational it's apparently had some logistical problems 
then Uhura gets in a turbo lift and sees a zombified hammer snapping at her. Uh, these I was organizational shocked. difficulties, I think by the end, we're going to understand that it wasn't organizational. It was obviously aliens. Yeah. Um, I, I was shocked the, the zombie hammer. I thought that uh, worked really mm-hmm. well. Uh, I thought he's scary. It's unexpected. Um, yeah, like, yeah. what the fuck is happening? I mean, I clearly I knew it was a vision, but I was like, you know, where is this going? And he looks great. This, yeah. Is this a memory that Uhura has of a zombified hammer snapping at her in a turbo lift? I'm, you know, that's the one thing it doesn't track, right? Like, if they're, yeah. like, are... But I, I wonder if there's some kind of, like, uh, you know, you can't kill me in any way that matters kind of thing going on. Because I don't I don't think these, like, the, the, my, my impression is these aliens are higher dimensional beings that, you know, p- are pushing through our space and we're unable to perceive them because they're, you know, uh, but they're, but they're still they're they're physical beings and they're entangled in our matter. So when w- when we're scooping parts of it out to throw through our engines, it's not killing them. It's just, extre- it's just sending them in extreme pain or it's mm. diminishing them or something. I think that's them trying to, you know, like if you beam that idea that like, well, you're not killing us necessarily, but you're hurting us. But no, they people are dying. Yeah, I don't, I don't yeah, know. They're, you're they're right. definitely killing them in some capacity. I mean, that's what Uhura says later. Because all the other visions when she, she walks us through it at the end of the episode, I think they do tie to the thoughts and, you know, the definitions are trying to beam into her brain. But yeah, zombie himmer, what the hell was that? <laughs> Maybe just a wake-up call. Just, like, get her attention, right? Yeah. It's a pretty intense image. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But it's, uh, yeah, it definitely got her attention for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then Uhura gets an examination from Mbinga, who thinks she has deuterium poisoning and needs some sleep as well. So he takes her off duty to get rest. Uh, she's been working herself to the bone, I think, to avoid uh, thinking about Hammer, right? Uh, and mm-hmm. her family and all the stuff that's coming back. That's up. her strategy is to, you know, con- conceal and push all those feelings down so she doesn't have to deal with them. Yeah. And Pelia kind of points that out later and not so, not so, not to her face, but to Una. She's talking about, you know, these reminders that mm-hmm. they're that she's giving her and Pella I don't know if we talked about this but like Pella was talking to Uhura because she's like you know what the hell are you doing in my Nacella room and she explained it and she's like why haven't you talked to me so this is kind of like a Pella episode and that she is I mean she's been around long enough she knows exactly what's going on but she's trying to lead the crew to the realization that they need so they can get on with their professional relationship and I, I thought mm-hmm. I, I again I don't have any problem Pella are you, is you warming up to her yet or is she still nope. no. nails on chalkboard yeah, right. sorry. Still not doing it for me. What is it? Is it the accent? It, it's it's the whole demeanor. It, uh, I, maybe I'm an Una here, but she's sloppy and she's kind of annoying. <laughs> I don't know. It's everything about her, honestly. She's thousands of years old. I think you would get a little sloppy. You, you, you'd learn a different, like, you know, like you'd have your own ideas of what is important and what's not important and no genetically modified 40-year-old whippersnapper is going to tell you. And, and I, I also thought that um, even if you don't like her approach, like Una's approach of, you know, like, well, we're just going to fix, just just deal with the problem in front of me. We see the weakness of that, too, because she wasn't seeing the bigger picture. So, no, like, I don't know. I right. feel like it was a... Uh, it's just mm-hmm. everything about her demeanor. 
I just, she's well, an asshole. Look, I'm not a thousand. Maybe she acts like a thousand plus year old, multi thousand year old being, and then I should I should know that. I'm not yeah. thousands of years old, not yet anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm not I'm not handling it very well. Fair enough. Call me Una, but that's how I feel. Uh, speaking of Una, she's in charge of fixing the refinery, and Pelly is out there with her, and she's got some teams working on it. But Pelia comes up and says, "I think there's some underlying issue that we haven't figured out yet." And Una's like, "You know what? Just go do what I told you to do." I don't. I, I really don't know that she gives her direct orders here. She says later, "You disobeyed a direct order." I. I never picked up on a direct order, but okay. They were probably I prior direct orders. I agree. Like he's saying it's like I'm the issues will uh, come to light as we fix the under like I think that's like you could extrapolate that like your commanding officer doesn't want you to do this, but like a direct order Yeah. Words usually preceded by words like I'm giving you a direct order, you know, yes. like when you're wanting to do it like got court martial things. Like you I have I don't know. to say that's an order. Yeah, you have to yeah. say it for it to be a direct order. You can and say I really an implied like, order. I really like it's like sometimes in Star Trek episodes, the A and B plot don't connect at all. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're just literally in two parallel tracks. Uh, but I always like it when they do connect. I really like it when you feel like you've got an A B plot that are not connected, that are deeply connected. And I think they did a good job of like showing in the margins of like you know like there's this mystery like why. Why is a star base running behind? You know, is this like mm-hmm. this? A, and, and, and then you see Pella, who's we've, we is a, is a smart engineer, saying like this stuff is fix fa- breaking faster than we can fix it. And the idea that like these deuterium beings are sabotaging the works and like gumming it up because they're desperately trying to stop it and mm-hmm. efficient Starfleet trying to fix things as fast as they break. It's I, I liked it because like uh, you know you are more than halfway through the episode before you see how these things connect, and uh, I thought that was pretty good. And the core of why Una's acting the way she is ties back to the same feelings that Uhura's having with Himmer, right? Like she reminds him of the dead engineer. Yeah, I think emotionally and plot-wise it connects. And it's also like I I like the Pella as fighting for her position on the ship, you know? Like she she sees that they are not really accepting her so instead of like meekly trying to she's she's tackling the bull head on like i'm not you know you are going to acknowledge your feelings and get over it and then you know if you want to hate me for for good reasons to hate me fine but like let's not pretend it's because i gave you a c plus on your shitty engineering report una or yeah you know you just haven't had time uhura like i, I like i like a person who is direct like that uh, quickly, Uhura can't sleep because she's having nightmares in hearing the signal. Um, I, I think this is the scene where she's seeing kind of a glimpse of the shuttle memory that we don't know what it is yet. There's just kind of fire in the distance, and she's yeah, out in like the a, field. Yeah, there's a forest on fire, but it's, yeah, as you go in the episode, you'll appreciate that this is her shuttlecraft that killed her entire family, her mom Apparently, and dad at least. I, did we have any hint of that in prior episodes, or was this the first we were I don't, because, again, I was watching season one more as a fan, and yeah. uh, I, I I don't know. But uh... I think this is the first I remember hearing of it. Um, and it's kind of surprising that, you know, the person she talks about this with is basically a stranger. I mean, it's James Kirk. It's not one of her friends here on board the Enterprise. 
uh yeah kirk has a way of, of kind of getting in there with people right yeah i like how they are fleshing out younger kirk he's, he's still brash but he's a lot more like open and outgoing mm-hmm. in uh a, like a kind neighborly way than i would suspect from captain james t kirk who's yeah. a little bit more aloof and you know might you know not 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 check in emotionally with every crew member that he sees uh-huh. um but also her is an attractive woman so maybe that's uh <laughs> that helps on yeah that's a that's one point on james kirk's scoreboard for sure yeah like uh some dude in sam's science department's lying bleeding in the corridor and just kirk steps right over but uh-huh <laughs> same to, to crewman in a miniskirt with... i'm sorry yeah. do you need assistance <laughs> For sure. Uh, speaking of James Kirk, boom, he beams aboard. Here he is. Uh, he's met by his brother Sam, and they go to the bar. Sam's feeling inferior because of... Um, I'm going to call him Kirk. I'm going to call James Tiberius Kirk, Kirk. And yes. I'm going to call Sam <laughs> Kirk, Sam. How I in my notes. He has not earned the name Kirk in my mind. No. He's shaming the name of Kirk, obviously. Yeah, yeah his anthropology. Get out of here. Get out of here with your your studies. Uh, yeah, Sam's feeling inferior because of Kirk's recent promotion to first officer of the Farragut, youngest ever first officer. Uh, same, same post, I think, as his father. Or no, his he's, father held the record pre previously for he's youngest, the previously officer, youngest, youngest first Starfleet officer. officer to make first officer, and it's making Sam, and, and and I think Sam's got a point here because it's it's mm-hmm. always kind of bothered me that Starfleet talks about how they're exploration first, they're not a military organization, but you look at what they value in terms of like people they promote. It yeah. doesn't seem like you know. Have you ever seen a science officer captaining a, a starship? Uh. I guess you have to go to command it. So it's like it's it's uh, what Starfleet values, uh, their core values versus what they promote. Seems like, you know, they they like that cowboy. They like that person that kind of mm-hmm. goes out and breaks things and fucks shit up. Um, and yeah, especially like out Sam, on the frontier, right? Yeah, you, who you is a guy doing, who's doing the hard work, able to handle any situation that might arise? And yeah, maybe science officers aren't uh, qualified for that. I don't know. I feel like that there should be some kind of like parallel track that you have like that you know um you know like you, you can't be you can't command a starship maybe but why couldn't you have the rank of captain like why isn't the chief science officer in star trek a rank of captain and you know mm-hmm. maybe is third or fourth in command of the enterprise um i think they have that with like the Bever like is because it wasn't beverly it's like she was in the chain of command i thought maybe not she might have been. I mean, Spock ends up captaining the Enterprise many times, right? When Kirk's yeah doing other things, and or he is, like when he's he away, is, he or definitely came up in the sciences. Yeah, he's a science yeah. officer, so I, I think you can get pretty close. But it seems like command is where you want to be for sure if you want to captain a starship. Yeah, yeah. But and then on TNG, I, I mean, you've just got two command officers in line. It's like. Also, it might like it's also I imagine frustrating to have like a really highly functional, uh, ambitious uh, sibling because like even like you know if we, it, there's it's easy to think like God damn if this guy was never born, everyone would love me because I'm doing so well. But they're just doing better, and it sounds like the Kirk's dad is kind of an asshole who <laughs> is giving all the love and the sunlight to the the James over Sam. 
Uh, mm-hmm. That's that's not good. So yeah, j- j- Sam's got a lot of good reasons to be to be jealous. Yeah, I don't I'm, know. I'm that- also sympathetic to Kirk's point. Like, look, I just did the thing the dad was going to be most proud of. It, yeah. Am I to blame for that? Like, you went and did your science thing, and that's fine. I went and did the command cowboy thing, but that's what dad likes. How can I be blamed for him liking the things he likes about me? Yeah, and having no, ambition I, like it has nothing to do with Sam, really. I like I said, I understand Sam being jealous and Sam thinking yes. this is unfair, but I also think that it's ridiculous to think that Kirk has to apologize. Yeah, and Kirk's not very diplomatic about it, right? He says, "Oh, well, why didn't you do the same things I did instead of wallowing in a right. science in a lab?" Yeah, and I'm like, that was well, that was a bad choice of words. Man. I see, that's make me think that like maybe he's showing signs of that his dad's personality, and maybe yeah. that's why he's more the guy he is in later Star Trek. But um, no, I, I and I, I wonder if we'll get an episode. You know, like we eventually met Riker's father. Uh, uh-huh. They had the difficult relationship. I wonder if we'll get like I think that'd be a fun episode. S- Sam, Jim, and their dad, They're and good. seeing their dynamic <laughs> as brothers with their dad. I think that'd be a cool episode, and it would it might change my mind about this whole situation because maybe Sam's got more of a point than I think. Because it could be that Kirk plays into that a little bit. You know, mm-hmm. there's ways as a sibling I think you can help like you know diffuse some of these family tensions, and there's definitely ways as a sibling you can yeah. inflame them and. I'd give even odds about which one Kirk is at this point. I want to see Sam and his dad joust American Gladiator style. That's what I want. <laughs> the like Riker. Yeah, the, the the Riker method. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah, work it all out, boys. Work it out on the the aggro crag or whatever. What was that? What was that sport they were playing? Was that the Parisi squares? It's not Ractagino. That's the that's the, the coffee. That's yeah, the gambling game. Oh, is it? No, Dom oh, that's the drink. Yeah. Gotcha. Dom Jot is the that's game. Ractagino is the drink. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I, I definitely... I don't know yeah. Prezi Squares. That might be what they were playing. I can't remember. Because I remember there's like one episode where like they all had Shore Leave at a Star Base and like Worf and, and Tasha were wearing like 24th century sports outfits and Riker's mm-hmm. like, where are you going? Where there's a Prezi cha- Square championship. Or maybe... I don't know. I, I, I could be remixing things. But yeah, Possibly. American Gladiator Q-tip battle uh-huh. between the Kirks. It's penciled in season three. Perfect. Uh, so the systems are coming online and over on the refinery. And Pelia says, uh, we found something in one of the functioning systems. And I had to take it offline because it points to sabotage. Beastie Boy, strike again. Yeah, right. Uh yeah we'll we'll get to more of this here in a second um because this is just kind of the setup for what comes later uh then chapel and spock are playing 3d chess while they try and define their relationship that relationship 4d chess oh no it is 3d chess it's 3d yeah wait well, we play 3d chess we do play 3d chess technically but on a 2d board ah uh, right so the board is 3d the chess i mean is in all chess is inherently 4d because without time you can't move pieces <laughs> yeah, so I guess that's true. Five D chess? I don't know what they're playing. I was trying anyway. to think of like what what is that canonically called on Star Trek? Is it? I think it's three D chess. chess. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that makes dimensional chess. But yeah, they're playing three D chess and they're talking yeah, they're about t- their talking about their relationship, trying to define it through a quantum superposition metaphor. Uh, Christine kind of wants to just let it be whatever it is for now without telling anybody. 
And if Spock, and she's kind of getting annoyed that like Spock is being his logical self. I wonder if she would rather have human Spock back in this moment to have this chat. Or is there the idea that like maybe she thinks Spock is a, being a little too possessive and clingy? Like wanting to define her, like like we just rushing fucked into last it. Night. Maybe you're wanting to define the relationship. You want like yeah, and also maybe maybe she's also scared that if they tell Starfleet that there'll be some kind of you know, but I I don't know. Also yeah. like is there the awareness that she's kind of a bit of a not exactly a home wrecker because they're on a break, but like the fact that she is splitting up a relationship and she wants to make you know before we make this all official, like maybe we should. Mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't know. Yeah, I think there's a lot of complexity to this. There's a there's a weird, cold off puttishness about Chapel in this scene. I thought she's also trying to beat him at chess. True. So maybe she's just distracted from both things. Right. But right. but yeah, you're right. I, I felt like it was so hot and heavy at the end of last episode that it's kind of surprising that that's been turned down a notch here. Yeah. Yeah. But. I don't know. I mean, the the marriage is a huge complication, right? The the potential future engagement because it could be back on at some point. Well, they could play because I've always thought of Kurt. Uh, I, Spock always coded conservative to me, you know, like most Vulcans hmm. are. Like they very they respect history and tradition and doing things correctly and by the books and. Uh, I think that extends that their love life too, and so mm-hmm. like you see mm-hmm. the t- and it could be that the uh, nurse chapel's more of like yeah yeah I love you I don't know we like boning but like I don't know if we have to label it a thing and um and it feels like there's a little tension of her wanting a little you know may- maybe that's kind of like now that this is actually happening it's not like oh Spock's my cool space boyfriend it's like oh God is he wanting to pawn fire me up and. <laughs> am I am I gonna or am I have to mind meld with his mother in law? That seems like a fucking nightmare. Oh, like it's God. like it's just maybe it's feel like it's going too fast. I I couldn't quite figure out exactly the vibe, but it's something. Mm-hmm. Yep, I'm with you. Um, and then Uhura shows up, and Chapel and Spock. No, uh, she tells Chapel and Spock that she doesn't think she has deuterium poisoning because she heard the signal before her exposure to the deuterium. Chapel says, uh, you should probably sleep, but that's the last thing she wants to do. So she goes to the bar where Kirk tries to strike up a conversation and she is not in the mood. Um, I'm, I'm going to take it all the way to the commercial here, the commercial break. When she gets in the corridor, she sees a bunch of dead people and herself who promptly attacks her. And she swings on herself and comes to with Kirk on the floor with a busted nose. Commercial break. Um, a lot to like here. I like that the uh-huh. the payoff of Kirk being a chess genius, where across the room he diagnosed that Spock was just two moves away from checkmate. Mm-hmm. Um, from getting checkmated, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And also, yeah. like, Ahura trying to fend off James T. Kirk, and he's doing the whole, like, hey, I'm not flirting. I'm just, like, which I think... <laughs> at this stage of Kirk's development might be genuine. Like, like I think that like a guy like Kirk is so successful to women that like, if women, uh, if a woman comes up and says clearly puts him on the friend off ramp, I think he's cool with that. Okay. Yeah. There's always another around. I've invited 17 girls today, just today to to, to join me at Starbase for drinks. (laughs) And 15 of them accepted. (laughs) Right. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't need a 60. I will just be friends. And, and also Uh like the thing is, is like, I think he is a genuine friend to her in this episode. Like he ne- never tries to take yeah. things romantic. He, you know, shows concern for her. 
because uh, he knows he gets after her. If he does. Yeah, no, I think he's uh, he's a pretty stand. He seems like he's trying to be a stand up guy, and a guy like Kirk, yeah, I guess, could I, afford. You know, he's not Kirk because what Kirk's not Kirk is not desperate. No, 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 no. I think more than anything, that's the the unnerving thing when you're dealing with the dude at a bar. It's like someone that feels like there there's a whiff of desperation about him, and that you just never get mm-hmm. that with Kirk. Uh, I'm disappointed in the ending of this scene right before the commercial break because her comes to sees that she has decked Kirk and his his line is not nearly as good as it could have been he should have said something like now who's hitting on who right yeah they play it straight like it kind of like a mild outrage of like I said I wasn't trying to hit on you but yeah right? but he got hit and I feel like there's a there's a pun here to be had and they don't go for it and I was disappointed I didn't sense its absence but now that you pointed out yeah they left they left they left some things on the table yeah they, where's, they didn't, where's they didn't the wit and charm of Kirk come on yeah maybe that yeah. hasn't developed yet quite as much just uh, just a l- lieutenant almost yeah. a commander uh, and then we come back from commercial and her apologizes for punching Kirk. And uh, here's where I was worried that things were, that, you know, Kirk's intentions weren't uh, genuine here because she takes him back to her quarters to patch him up. And I'm thinking, oh, mm. <laughs> where's this going? Uh, but Kirk, you know, nothing untoward. He tries to help her figure out what's happening to her and takes her medical record to the Farragut to see if anyone else has had some similar experiences lately. Yeah. Uh, our dermal regenerator is kind of like the band-aids of the future because she just kind of has one in her quarters. It must be, yeah, something like, that you Like, ah, can... I cut myself, you know, slicing yeah. onions or whatever with pike. Guess I'll bust out the dermal regenerator. There's probably some, it's just like, you know, band-aids don't, you know, like if you get a deep enough cut or a big enough abrasion, like band-aids don't cut, you should probably go see to the emergency room, mm-hmm. you know, but a broken nose. I actually thought that was kind of him looking out for her because like, you know, it's like, hey, instead of going to sick bay and trying to, You'll fill out paperwork on why you assaulted a superior officer. Why don't we just, you know? But you're right. That could have been very ulterior motive. And good on it Kurt felt, for not not explaining yeah. that. It, it felt like a potential setup to try and get in her pants. But that'd be the last thing Uhura needed in this episode. Oh yeah. So then Una and Pelia go to the source of the sabotage and find a Starfleet officer just freaking out, talking about you're not real this isn't real uh una calls in a murder medical emergency uh, we find out this guy's name is lieutenant ramon mm. i got no th- i got nothing that's exactly what happened <laughs> okay cool Let's <laughs> accurate summary of the scene next scene uhura sees a vision of the enterprise being attacked and the bridge crew being sucked out into space and she comes to on the bridge with Pike telling her she's supposed to be on medical leave. And that, I, I, I mean, it's pretty obvious that this is not actually happening, right? Like, they go so big with this vision. I, I don't know. I, I kind of knew instantly that it wasn't real. Well, her not getting blown out to space was my first big tip-off. But, well, but yeah. yeah. I mean, anybody I- getting blown out to space was my tip-off because... They're not going to kill Pike and Spock in, no, the, in just yeah. a random attack. Where I mean, they literally can't kill Spock. So true. I um I think that uh, I really like the conceit of like them 
you know, kind of starting a scene and you think that she's doing this, she's sleeping in her cab or she's this, and then they find that that, you know, um she's in the middle of a vision. Yeah. I, I like that they did that two or three times and uh, like I said, it's not like they're pulling the wool over you, but it's 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 cool. It's cool. It makes you feel a little off balance, uh unsure of yourself, like you might be going crazy too. And and I always enjoy when they, they put you in those positions. You know, there's like that classic mm-hmm. episode where the universe is shrinking around Beverly. Mm. and mm-hmm. you know at first it's like yeah maybe there's something wrong with me or maybe something wrong with the ship and it's like something wrong with the universe and but like also no one else around you know it's uh, that that stuff adds a lot of psychological spice to the episode and i think they pulled off real well real well her yeah and then pike takes uh her aside and he's gonna talk about what's going on kirk comes in says he heard about ramon and the farragut had a call about him as well um, so there was definitely something going on with him. Uh, why does not Kirk go on the bridge to say this? Uh, why doesn't he just like hit a communicator and talk to Pike over that? Is that what you're asking? Because he's doing all this on Uhura's behalf, right? That's why he was checking into this stuff. But I, yeah, I just don't know why Una Chin Riley didn't like instantly say, hey, we found someone sabotaging the thing since mm. you're the fleet captain like why does kirk is the first to know about? i don't know I, I, it wasn't clear to me other than the writers wanted kirk to uh, hook back up with uhura through the episode that like why he would be the one to barge onto the bridge and be like i don't even serve on this ship but uh, got some important information <laughs> yeah i can't i can't remember exactly but um might have come from the farragut too I, i'm gonna say yeah i think ramon might have been from the farragut and uh, so his his medical records on the Farragut were what tipped Kirk's hand. But and then Pike's he first officer him. is the one that found him, and Pike is the fleet yeah. captain. Like the, the chain of command. Like how did Kirk find out about it, and then sprint? Like he's off, uh, presumably on <laughs> yeah. shore leave or some kind of. I like, leave visiting his brother on his ship, and he just mm-hmm. sprint like you know, like I don't know. It just it's, it seemed it he, seemed a little out of place for me. He did an emergency transport to right outside of the doors. Sure. <laughs> this is sure. this is how he earns his yeah. youngest first officer ever titles, right? Like, yeah, he's using emergency transporters left and right. People not, are not by walking the decks. You're not. No, you gotta, no. Yeah, yeah. You got you got you got steal some of that time back. Mm-hmm. He's got he's got zero steps, but he's got that insignia. <laughs> uh. Anyway, yeah. Um. Uhura starts wondering if any of this stuff is real because uh, they take Ramon to Mbenga who says speech centers of his brain are fucked and he tries to scan him and Ramon attacks him and runs off and she's freaking out and then Kirk tells her oh, look this is all real and they go after Ramon yeah he viciously attacked Mbenga like sliced his chest wide open yeah Mbenga's <laughs> like doctor heal thyself no problem I got this it's a flesh wound Give me the subdermal regenerator. Uh-huh. Um, I did think it was wild. The security just starts firing what looks like lethal shots at them. Those did not look like stun. No, they're causing like, all kinds of sparks on the frame. And, and God, they're a terrible shot. And that's the thing. It's like, it's one thing. If you want to argue in the 21st century where all we have is guns, apparently, that you get a mental health call and someone's got a knife and you know they do something aggressive, you start opening up a... But this is fucking Star Trek where they can turn force fields on like individual mm-hmm. hallway segments. It's insane to me that the security officer just opened up on this guy. 
I get yeah, it. He assaulted I'm, an officer with a knife. He's a dangerous guy, but like you could lock uh -huh. a transport a beam, beam him right to the brig, throw a force exactly. field on him, set a fucking remember. phaser to stun. You know, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to remember. So, so my mind is tainted by the experience of TNG and Deep Space Nine era, where they can track people in the ship based on their communicator signals and they know where you are at all times lock onto you with the transporter do they have that capability in the original series i don't remember I, that's a good question whether they're that kind of precision i because if they do know. all of this is pointless like this whole chase for ramon across the ship they should have just transported like you said right into the brig yeah. no harm no foul but he's in eyesight like you could just like you know yeah, uh, yeah. say hey shut down this corridor boom but uh, yeah, yeah I, he I might just, have ripped like, off yeah, his just... communicator. I don't know. Oh, that's and, and not also, even a communicator. Well, they're not communicators. Yeah. There. I was about to say, See? it's like the thing is, yeah. T and G, man, it's messing with me. Mm -hmm. uh, anyway. I, it, I also like Uhura not knowing whether it's real or not. She's like, is this need this really happening? Because it's fucked. like, yeah, what the <laughs> fuck? Uh, so Pike hunts Ramon and finds a body, a dead body in his wake. Uh, the power gets cut, and Pike thinks Ramon's headed toward engineering, so they kind of follow him. Um, and Uhura is also hunting Ramon, and she begins seeing things again. This time, it's the corridor closing in on her, and Kirk's there to kind of snap her out of it. And she says, "I'm going to go back to sick bay. Don't don't bother coming with me. Just keep hunting for Ramon." But she does not go back to sick bay. Why does she lie? Because I took maybe it, she's I, on her way back to sick bay when she because she's doubling know. back right and then later they say oh Ramon must have hid and we passed him so maybe she's doubled back and just but on she's, her why way would to sick she bay. head I don't think you can just accidentally wind up by the main nacelle access when you're wandering back to yeah. your crew quarters from sick bay and the way she like maybe she's just being cautious but like the way she goes away from Kirk with the gun phaser drawn uh -huh. flashlight in the hand like it seems like she was still in hot pursuit and I think that she had an idea that he would be drawn to the nacelle room i'm not sure why but that's my yeah. like i think she had a hunch and maybe it was because the aliens themselves are doing some kind of mental directing i, I don't know but mm -hmm. it could be that she was just heading back and just saw the blood and decided to but like i don't know it felt like she's shaking it felt like she's shaking uh kirk to me yeah a little bit um based on the way it was filmed anyway pike and lon run into kirk and they decide to double back thinking that he hid somewhere behind them like I said uh, and then Uhura finds blood near an access hatch and calls in Ramon's location she goes through the hatch and finds Ramon tampering with a console she tries to talk some sense into him but it doesn't work and he starts a sequence that results in the nacelle exploding luckily Kirk is there just in time to beam himself and Uhura out before they die it's funny because the outside... Okay, I got two problems here. Number one, this fucker freezes solid to like he's cracking like the T-1000 dipped in liquid nitrogen. Which, as like we all know, happens seconds. the moment you go into space. The, you Again, freeze. Again, Star Trek, do better. Because, <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, you just, yeah, that's just that's not how any of this works. You don't you mm -hmm. don't freeze solid. Your eyes come out of your head. I've seen Total Recall. I know what happens. Sure. Now, they did that. That's based on science. It's freezing stuff, not. Um, the second thing is, when you see the outside shot of uh, is Lieutenant Ramirez, Ramon? Ramon, yeah. 
getting blown out to space, it looks like that whole fucking nacelle is going up in flames. Yeah. I don't know how the Enterprise is, like, not completely stricken, has to limp back to Starbase kind of thing. Maybe it's mm-hmm. maybe it's just it's like an engine backfiring and, you know, all that, like, the explosion came out the side vents that apparently you can open up and it's not as bad. But, man, it looked like the whole nacelle was going up. Yeah, totally. Maybe they more bar- than Pella can just do out in deep space, you know? Maybe they transplant one of the Farragut's nacelles and strand Kirk out there. <laughs> They're like, look, hey, we're pulling... the flagship. We got to get going, man. I'm the fleet captain. I got places to be. Give me your uh-huh. nacelle. Yeah. Because <laughs> that doesn't take long to swap out, I'm sure. You also, it's the exact starbase. same size and shape. He just got going around with one. Oh, no, he takes both. He wants a match set. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. Of course. Otherwise, you'd be lopsided. Yeah. You might just do yeah. donuts when you go into warp, right? Yeah, you don't, you want, don't want to do warp donuts. That's not good. <laughs> no. Use up all your deuterium. If <laughs> give the Milky Way a yard job in subspace, <laughs> just kicking stars all over the place. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I fuck your stellar nursery. <laughs> Red alert! Here comes an ad break. Let's boldly go back to the episode. Welcome back to Baldly Go. Uh, Uhura then asks Pike to confine her to quarters, thinking she's going to end up like Ramon. Yeah, he doesn't think it'll come to that. He's pretty laissez-faire about this whole thing, considering the cell just exploded. Pike is insane for this. Like, Uh confine her to quarters. I don't see any problem with that. If you don't want to do that, requesting it, yeah assign her a medical staff to just follow her it's like hey mm-hmm. if she starts wigging out or doing anything wild mm-hmm. you know here's a hypo spray apply to the neck like I, the fact that you're just letting a per- we saw another per- like Ramon killed a person two people well, uh, and himself right. and, and I know my and I also like was some that person in a body bag um, was that no, that was remote. Okay, because I was wondering how many people were in the nacelle when it went up too. Like, surely there's a few engineering people, right? Maybe. Point is, some were injured, but two were dead for sure. You got a crew member saying, "I think I'm losing my mind. Confine me to quarters." And another crew member who's lost her mind has just killed a bunch of people. Like, maybe you'd do that. I th- I thought Pike was mm-hmm. wild for this. Yeah, he maybe has too much faith in his crew when they're slowly losing their minds. Like, it's not well, her can, fault, like, but yeah, get her in her quarters. What's that line? Like, you can trust a person, you can't trust a drug. You can trust yeah. a Starfleet yeah. officer, you can't trust a space madness. Mm-hmm. Like, once you have space madness, like, then that you're not dealing with <laughs> uh, uh, Ensign Uhura or whatever she is now. You're dealing with, uh, you know, Ensign Second Class Uhura suffering from space madness. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. Confine her to quarters. She wants to be confined. Yeah. She's she's afraid. Help her out. Yeah. Pike, anyway. Uh, a little, little too... Be, be, trying to be Captain Nice Guy. A little, little too much, I think. Uh, here's something that blew my mind. They have access to Ramon's personal logs, medical files, so Pike decides to go through them and see if there are any clues to what's going on. I thought, based on prior episodes, you could not access personal logs without months of red tape and several admirals signing off on it. What I thought, I thought it was, was damn near impossible. Because he was dead. Is it posthumously? <laughs> it's just free-for-all on everybody's personal <laughs> logs? 
<laughs> yeah, like instant red shirt just dies. Let's go through his pads and see if there's any weird porn on it. You right? know, and we can make fun. We can make fun. We can make fun of him uh, in in ten forward. No, yeah, I, we need some juicy goss for the funeral ceremony. <laughs> like, what the fuck, man? Well, I mean, I think it's a difference in a security officer wanting to get into someone's records just cause versus a fleet captain. Like maybe there's an expedited like there is a criminal. There's some kind of criminal investigation, sabotage. Guy lost his bind, led to death of crew members trying to figure out what went wrong. They're dead. Like, is there like, yeah, maybe there's a fast track for that kind of thing. Possibly. I, I'm I'm a little tongue in cheek with this, but they did just tell sure. us it was a huge no, hurdle dude, to overcome. No, dude, goddamn, start. Uh, uh, yeah, and it's it's this is the thing is it's like I'd be more upset except for this is such in Star Trek's DNA. Yeah, because these totally. things like any given episode is written by seventeen different writers, and that's like truly they would like kind of write these on some of them respect scripts and pe- people or uh, whether they've read the technical Bible was all over the map. So like this does happen in star Trek. I always like it when they avoid it, but mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think that, that uh, the captain requesting a dead per- crew person's decryption when they're investigating a crime is a little bit different than a Lieutenant junior Lieutenant security officer wanting to read someone's records. Just cause I guess. Well, it was part of a legal investigation into Una, uh, her status, right? And, like, the captain's log and when he knew what he knew and all that stuff. Well, yeah, because, like, I guess you're saying when you're talking about treason against the Federation, that would also be something that would... Uh, High crime? That 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 would, that would uh, you know, fast track a request to open up someone's logs. You would think so. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Anyway, yeah, they, you might be right. It might be a posthumous and emergency I'm just, thing. I'm just, I'm just trying to square that circle. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, and then we go over to Lon, who strikes up a conversation with Kirk, and it gets pretty personal pretty quickly. Um, you know, I get that from Lon's side certainly, but Kirk's just opening up left and right. He's talking about his relationship with his dad as a kid and how that's affected him as an adult and with Sam and all this stuff. And then Lon, you know, kind of, I don't know, tries to make him feel at ease a little bit here and then excuses herself to go finish her rounds. And Kirk reminds her about that drink he owes her. Yeah. I like how they're playing this just right. Like when she sees him in the corridor the first time, mm-hmm. you can tell it's like affecting to her, but she's also fucking Lon Noonien Singh and she's not going to like fall apart or cry in a corridor. But like, you can tell like this takes a lot out of her like this. Mm hmm. She cares about she's, him. She's falling in love with this guy, and he doesn't yeah. even fucking. Sus- and the, but and also the fact that like he every time she sees him, he seems like such a great dude. Like he remembered uh. her name, remembered like you know her face, and uh, in fact that they they did set up a date at one point, and he's mm-hmm. kind to strangers out of the goodness of his heart. And she's like, God damn it! But she's probably also super worried that if she develops any kind It'll of relationship f- with him, she's going to let slip. Up. Yeah, well the 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 experiences they had right the temporal cops are up her ass probably watching her every second of every day and literally you could legitimately fuck up a timeline you yeah know? so she's kind of deathly afraid of getting close to kirk but in this moment she kind of brushes up against it yeah i wonder if she could play like how cool she could play it like if she just like goes through and meets jim kirk at the starbase for drinks because that's something i could do as a starfleet lieutenant and did a temporal mm-hmm. cop show up and be like what the fuck do you think you're doing you're going to have drinks with uh, this man? 
Hey, look, well, I'm not you know, say it's anything. like I didn't manipulate the timeline, dude. And so he just is like, ah, I don't know. I don't right? know how they, they'd feel about that. He has drinks with everybody. There's nothing strange about this. Nothing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's a really like funny thing a he's she's not even the first starfleet lieutenant that he's time had a time traveling relationship with it's awkward yeah <laughs> he's got three other starfleet officers with, with similar uh either uh-huh. he's he's dated them in the future <laughs> past or they dated him and it's it's complicated the hilarious thing would be if we later get an episode that shows us that kirk has also had the same experience where he's gone forward in time or something and had a whole thing <laughs> with lon and they're both hiding it from each right. other Right, right, yeah. I think Lon's doing a better job since he's just nakedly uh, uh, setting up dates and stuff. But, but yeah, that would be funny. <laughs> he's had the talk with the cops. He's been like, ah, it's just a drink. Means nothing. I'm talking to the man to beat the Kobayashi Maru simulation. You think these temporal cops are gonna give me? <laughs> no, no. I'll just update a couple temporal records in their database and beat mm-hmm. him in fourth dimensional chess. And Bob's your uncle. We're fine. All right, Una and Pelia are working on the refinery, and it's almost back online now that nobody's sabotaging it. Uh, Pelia asks what Una's problem is, and Una calls her a space hippie. And so Pelia says she's got a stick up her ass, and then Una fires back again, and Pelia says, fine, I'll have a station online in a few hours. She's kind of tired of arguing, I think, at that point. I actually like this scene. I thought it looked like Rebecca Romaine is having uh-huh. a lot of fun playing the stick up her ass character that trying to be prim and proper but then when Pelly is like just yeah let me have it she just like it's with before the words are even out of her mouth she's just launching you don't respect authority and you're sloppy and you're unprofessional and are those crumbs on your uniform like this like it goes from like <laughs> okay these are pretty to like shades of spock wanting to end kirk last last uh, episode for not bussing his table right like uh-huh. you know some petty shit and which which Let's Pella understand it. Like, this isn't about me. This is about yeah. something else. Yeah. Which is kind of annoying because, honestly, I could see someone being infuriated by her just on the things that, yeah, like. The space hippie aspect? Yeah. Or? The space hip, yeah. That's. And I also like the fact that Pella took, like, so much offense to that, you know. Like, she's been called a lot of <laughs> things, but. I've never. Yeah. Space hippie? Ugh. And in the final, you know, shot that Una fires here, I think it's it's interesting. I want to ask you if it hits home, if it, why it's accurate. But she says, "You've been in Starfleet before I was born, and yet I outrank you. Why is that?" And it's meant as an insult, like you are sloppy. You don't take anything seriously. You're just kind of fucking around out of here. The rest of us are trying to get stuff done. Why isn't she higher ranked if she's been around for? potentially thousands of years i think it's because she doesn't care like that's not like she's in this as an intellectual and like relational building thing um it's not like she was super passionate about engineering the majority of her life from the 20th century or 21st century she was didn't know anything about engineering so it's like i I really think Mm -hmm. she's just kind of a vibes person and right. uh, she probably doesn't want to be like does is there anything about Pella that make that indicates that she wants command no this is probably the highest rank she can get away with in Starfleet without being like slapped behind a desk or like going to have to order people to their deaths or some shit that's not fun at all that's not those aren't vibes and you would usually have a ton of autonomy I think as the chief engineer right I mean look at probably. Scotty Scotty's always just running around the ship doing his own thing until there's a 
desperate emergency and he's got to like fix something that's broken in a certain amount of time but other than that he's just kind of doing his own thing he's not mm-hmm. going out on away missions he just doesn't have yeah. much to do the only time so, people yeah. are up your ass when stuff's broke if stuff's running like a top then you're probably right. left alone a lot of freedom in that role it's probably what she likes yeah uh, although <laughs> less freedom on the flagship I would think than some podunk True. ship out in the middle of nowhere so what's she doing here she also likes the prestige I guess kind of wild that she ended up Simon. maybe she really likes teaching but like I the thing that doesn't square with me is her teaching at Starfleet Academy because I feel like that's the least freedom like you're almost not even in Starfleet at that point like you're not exploring the galaxy yeah. you're preparing other people to do the thing that you so like I it's it's kind of wild that she lasted as long as she did mm-hmm. in uh it's in, kind in of wild that they let her be chief engineer after hijacking the enterprise that's that's kind of wild. No reprimand for that whatsoever. Yeah. Because it all Star- turned out okay. Yeah. Starfleet's a little kind of piratical <laughs> that like the ends justify the means sometimes, you know? Yes. All right. Kirk watches Ramon's personal logs. Again, he's just got a pad. He's just watching it on his iPad in Uhura's quarters or whatever. Personal logs. Personal logs. Uh, anyway, based on those logs, Uhura realizes she doesn't have much time until she loses her mind. Kirk tried to che- tries to cheer her up with a cookie and a joke, but it's poorly timed. And then they have this conversation about how Uhura says she's always struggled with the weight of her family's death, and Himmer's death kind of brought back all these issues with it. And Kirk tells her to stop trying to forget the memory of those people and instead hold on to them and thereby reclaim them from death. So she he leaves and she watches uh, Himmer's tutorial again and has an epiphany that we'll get to here in a sec. Yeah, this part, this is another one where I, I felt like this is not quite connected because she talks about how she is so loath to see, you know, to, to go back and revisit memories of the people that she's lost that she cares about. Yet the episode opens with her watching Himmler and smiling and kind of being nostalgic uh, on hmm. her iPad. It's like, yeah, the, the little like smile I, she gives earlier doesn't quite work. Yeah, like I, there's there's so one of those scenes should have been rewritten or cut, and that's another mm-hmm. one where it's like not everything a little like it's, it's a little Pella like in the craftsmanship of this episode, a little little sloppy, some crumbs on some writer shirts, I think. Um, <laughs> yeah, instead because, yeah, of smiling I, at the end of that scene, she should have like steeled herself to open the video. That, that's what should have happened. Yes, you, you should mentally she prepare been herself to distressed, see her. Um, or and maybe even have the like computer can you uh send this through a speech synthesizer and spit me out of uh like a text so like so, so she's so uncomfortable she can't watch it yeah something but, yeah they didn't tell that story too. and i gotta mm-hmm. say this i i've found a lot of the speechifying on this show to be surprisingly good especially when how bad it got in uh, picard sometimes oh yeah i think this kirk speech is like word salad about letting death not win and you don't let death win by remembering your people real hard and if you try to free like you're letting like what the fuck like okay um i mean i think yeah, there's, well, there's, she's actively trying to forget these people by not thinking about them right and so death has claimed those memories but if she can remember them fondly remember you know not how horribly they died in shuttle accidents but 
remember the good times with them, she's able to reclaim that from. No, like I said, the the general advice of like, you need to deal with your feelings and your grief and you can't just keep putting it off is sound. It's just the way he expressed it. And the metaphors were. Mm -hmm. Well, he had cookie on the brain. He was thinking about that big old chocolate chip cookie. I always think it's cute in these series when they make it seem and it, it, it might be correct that that there is subtle differences between the replicated versus like you know things that are home cooked like uh, Picard uh-huh. always you know had this grousey thing about the, the caviar ah uh, you know this is never as good as the the real caviar the 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 synth- synthesized caviar is just never the same and here mm-hmm. Kirk's saying like oh these aren't just replicated cookies they're fresh baked in the the mess like I I think that's cute that you know replicators. Yeah. Are, are not the perfect end-all be-all that uh, we think they are they, they struggle with some things i also like that kirk is kind of struggling to relate to what her is feeling in this scene because like this cookie thing <laughs> does he really think i mean maybe this is what james tiberius kirk thinks of most women but he thinks a cookie is going to cheer her up when she thinks she's losing her mind <laughs> like what kind of child do you take this woman for I and think she just sets him straight immediately there. Have the potential to cheer up any human, regardless <laughs> of their mental state. And it's a worthy thing to try. Uh-huh. Uh, if if, you, I, if I Uhura he... had just shown up to that nacelle where Ramon was with a cookie, it never would have blown up. <laughs> um, I think he handled it pretty, pretty good. There's one other thing I wanted to say. Um, oh, the other thing about Kirk giving this speech about you need to accept death and like uh, the sometimes... This is the guy who cheated so he didn't have to deal with the whole fucking Starfleet exam on dealing with unwinnable conditions and, and death. This is the well, last pre- guy that you, should be lecturing people death, on. And then if you can't prevent death, you learn how to deal with it. I yeah. guess, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Because <laughs> like, his, his whole thing is like Kirk doesn't want to admit defeat and it blows yeah. up in his face. And like this is a weirdly more emotionally mature version of Kirk. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I guess what I don't changes? know if it's like it's them like being a little bit sloppy Joe or if it's like they're like, well, it's 2023. We can't have we can't have 1967 Captain Captain Kirk. We're going to have to like make him a little bit less of a wild man. But I don't yeah. know. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, Uhura has an idea and takes Kirk uh, over to Sam to get some help. Sam pulls out a theory about extra dimensional life forms attaching themselves to atoms from our dimension and that they might have attached themselves to the deuterium atoms in the nebula. And Uhura thinks that they're using her thoughts to say that refining the deuterium is killing them and or torture. Yeah. Sam for sure hosts a series on Uhura tube about extra dimensional aliens, right? I mean, he's going to write a whole paper on it. Why not? Yeah. That mustache is just an affect. He does for (laughs) you here, too. Yeah, no, like I said, this was this stuff was pretty cool. I like the idea that, um, you know, these are extra dimensional beings. And I think what they're trying to get here is like the whole idea of you've, you know, like try to try to understand extra dimensional beings is like, imagine you live on a piece of paper and you're a two dimensional stick person. 
and someone draws a line in front of you and that's a wall to you but like as a third person dimensional person above the paper you that line doesn't is, is, is not a wall you can cross over that just by going around or above or like what would it look like for a three-dimensional spear to pass through this two-dimensional person's space and it's like you'd first see a point when the spear just touches their dimension and it would slowly get bigger 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 circle until you're right at the you know the uh, what do you call that the, di- the full diameter of the circle and then as it continues to pass through that plane it would get smaller and smaller and smaller and disappear and that would look like a phenomenal supernatural event to that person on 2d space and mm-hmm. the thing is is that kind of gets you an idea but like we have no idea what it would look like for a fifth dimensional being to penetrate three-dimensional space like it kind of gives you an idea of like it would look weird and wild, but we don't know. And mm-hmm. and they're postulating that this would be something that's invisible and imperceptible, but still somehow has effect in our matter, entangled in our matter. And they're getting sucked into these scoops and getting ripped apart in the engines. I, I thought it was a, a, a cool idea. And then the whole universal translator, you know, that they are beaming these intense psychic feelings and emotions and like the in the 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 universal translator which i guess works this way i don't know that they've ever talked about it that it um you know has there's commonalities in the way beings communicate ideas and it lights up certain sections of sentient beings brains and those patterns can be analyzed by the computer to like detect speed like it, it it's not even like it feels like the universal translator would work like almost on a mental connection but i don't know it might just be they haven't really thought that through but yeah. the idea that these aliens are so powerful or they're so inexperienced that they're literally it's like uh, pumping in too much wattage through a, you know, a communication device just burning it out like their speech centers mm-hmm. and their brains are getting destroyed, uh, driving them crazy. I thought that stuff was really solid sci fi stuff. Yeah, because they're screaming at the top of their lungs saying, right. stop this, you know. Right. And maybe they haven't the whole time, but like, you uh-huh. know they've been trying to shut this thing down for weeks months and yeah. now they're getting to where they're screaming yeah uh so her takes the matter to pike she calls him tells him he has to shut down the refinery which apparently went online five minutes ago uh it's not responding to shutdown commands so her fights her way through the visions to make it to the bridge where she explains the situation to pike she tells him they have to blow up the refinery so they do and that's it that's it pike says he'll take the blame and then sends you to bed i liked how the indicator of success was zombie hammer yeah like he's on the bridge and as soon as they blow up the 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 gas station he's just like regular hammer with like a thumbs up yep just like the contrast yeah was funny um did it, it look like Pike was a bit taken aback of Uhura taking command over the Enterprise's weapons batteries? And uh huh. Um, there are a couple of things that are strange like that in this scene. For one, yes, he's like a little dismayed that she's giving orders over a fleet commander here to his ship. But so what, right? She's but you, he's going to do it anyway. You have to sweat, like you, like if you. Okay, there's a couple ways that I wouldn't be bothered if if like they didn't cut the uh, pike and have him go like, God damn, she's firing my to- photon torpedoes now. I wouldn't uh, think much of it because like I don't know. Or if he'd said like, uh, you know, Ensign, I'm sure this will be a relief to you. I'm letting you give the order. But like 
I think it's a big deal for a junior officer to be firing off photon torpedoes mm-hmm. in front of the commander and his especially when this decision about it. is a big one, right? Like Starfleet is counting on this outpost not just for fuel but for surveillance of the Gorn yeah, also territory. Also, he's like, wanting to take like the full credit or full blame for it like maybe that's what they're saying is like that this this makes sense of him saying hey don't worry about it i it's, i'm gonna take on all responsibility but like yeah i i, I thought um if, if they feel that this way like pike is bothered or like raising his eyebrows it should have been addressed um or they shouldn't have gone there it's my my opinion on it yeah i was also a little disappointed that when her is like we need to blow up the refinery. Uh, yes, I'm sure about that. We're killing them. You know, Pike asks her, are you certain of this? She says, yes. I've never been more certain of anything in my life. And then Pike looks to Kirk, and Kirk gives him a nod. And I don't like that. Like, I want him to trust Uhura over this random fucking lieutenant that is not even part of his crew. Like, believe yeah. Uhura not go not go get like Kirk to verify I mean I know she's in a compromised mental state and That's Kirk is not thing. but like, be- you're either going to believe her or you're not you're not going to fire torpedoes based on know. based you're on this if you don't commander. believe her you just heard that there's life forms 30 seconds ago this person is suffering from fa- space madness I didn't because I didn't take She's it as like an in-group, out-group, a man, woman, like, oh, it's, it's more of like this is a crew member who is suffering from an intense delusional state. And maybe before I launch torpedoes at the station that could be crucial to the Gorn war effort, which, again, Gorn are pretty fucking bad, mm-hmm. you know? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Then, then the, the, I, I guess that made sense to me. I didn't have a problem with it. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. But if you Kirk interpret more it as him, like, too, right? Like Kirk knows. Kirk's had all this explained to him more than 12 seconds ago and has yeah. thought about it. And Pike just doesn't have the info he needs to make the call. So he goes to the next most rational person. Although, like, know. yeah, like he's the cowboy. So it's like, yeah, like you're, you're if you're looking for Jim Kirk to say <laughs> no to blowing shit up, you're probably not going to get. He's probably not going to be that yeah. break very often. He doesn't hate the Gorn enough yet. Mm. He will. He will. Wait till he's forced to kill one with a bamboo bazooka. That's going to cement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those Gorn didn't look nearly as scary as the Gorn we got now. No. No, they're going to look kind the, the, of hilarious the, in retrospect. The, the chubby slee stack looking uh, with the Gorn polka dot from the original uniform, series. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> not, not super. Those guys are splitting dudes open, laying eggs inside of them, turns out. Apparently, who would have known? Anyway, yeah. Uh, whew. The, the other thing I like about this scene is Pike is taking a very extreme action here, potentially with massive consequences to himself, and oh, he'll yeah. never know if he made the right call. There's no evidence that he could point to that says this was the right call or not. Well, He's just got to take it on faith. The other thing I thought is like, okay, if using a Bassard Ram scoop and refining them is painful... What is setting off three photon torpedoes going to do to them? What is unleashing the destructive energy of the very creation of the universe in the middle of their home going to do? Like, that's just, ah, ah, that's that's a gentle massage. Yeah, I do wonder how reactive the deuterium is uh, 
how unstable it is, right? Will this like set off the entire nebula and oops, they've just genocided yeah. these beings? Dude, or I don't, I don't know. Is deuterium pretty stable until you put it through the refining process and then into the engines? It's well, but what does even stable mean? Because to me, it's like like it won't cause a chain reaction. Uh, yeah, I, I bet that, but like exploding that is going to move that deuterium around. I don't know. I, I just thought it was a little bit funny that like uh, yeah. And, and why is this one last big entire... ouch, and it's, 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 it's then it's over? It's over and done. Sure, it's, it's like, like a ripping band-aid. off the rip it off. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's like using a dermal regenerator on your nose. Uh, <laughs> the, the other thing is, why did they have to blow up the refinery? Because it was the most expeditious way to do this. Couldn't they have just like cut the power to it? So it stopped running. They said it wasn't responsive. So I think they, tr- they, if I, I take it at the word that they tried everything they could have. Yeah. So um, phaser of a plasma conduit or some shit. Like you don't have to blow the entire damn thing up to stop it working. At it, yeah. Beam, beam back on the station and shut it down manually. But I'm, if you're killing and torturing people, just more evidence that Pelia is sloppy. Pelia is a space hippie. Well, she this, I actually liked down. it. I actually like that that Pike was so quick to like, oh, I have a credible report to my crewmen that we're killing new life and new civilizations. Fucking shut it down. Any like that That's is the such, most important thing, right? It's yeah, like it's like get back. This is the Federation I recognize that mm-hmm. will sometimes uh, take short term losses to preserve and protect the ideals that they cherish. Um, yeah. And, you know, as they made this point many times this episode, like, what's the point of going out and finding new life and new and, and, and new forms if you're, you know, uh, your very act of exploration uh, or exploiting this nebula is destroying it. Like, I, I like that. Mm-hmm. And I like the Federation uh, that the, the Pike was so quick to like, even though this is so important to the Federation. So is it, you know, like in like, you know, real politic, is it kind of insane? Yes, but I, I like that, that that's, you know, 300 years mm-hmm. in the future that we're that reflexively protective of something fragile and beautiful and, and unique and living and innocent. I, I think that's cool. I, that's the Star Trek that, uh, I, I, that, 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 that aspirational message appeals to me. All right, next scene, Una tells Pelia that uh, the C that she got as her student in Starship Maintenance 307. That's why she's angry at her. But Pelia says, nah, it's because I remind you of Himmer's death, which is much more spot on. Una recognizes that, yeah, she's actually not mad at her for the C. Do you think it does kind of blow my mind that Unich and Riley got a C in engineering because she wrote a sloppy paper? That seems very... Mm -hmm. But it could be that, like, she's talking about sloppy in the terms of your thinking. Like, I think you could characteristics uh, characterize Una's thinking in terms of troubleshooting as sloppy. Like, you're you're mm-hmm. laser focused on the problem in front of you, and you're not getting a big picture, which would suggest she hasn't grown much as a crew member. But I don't know. Well, she's uh, not. A, it, she's not an engineer, right? Like, she's in logistics. She's not in science. But we just Pike put her on this job because she's so meticulous and organized, and yet the well, it was sloppy... an or- he thought it was an organizational issue that was a problem, and she's working with the chief engineer. So uh... I, I think like, yeah, I, I think Pelia's here is the one who's like supposed to be really repairing this, but Una is kind of taking over from a logistics perspective. Yeah, because she doesn't like yeah. Una because she reminds him reminds her of him or. Yeah, I still don't know that I buy that this particular person 
wrote a sloppy engineering paper. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it could just be she didn't write the engineering paper that uh, Palia liked. Anyway, Uhura and Kirk share a drink. Sam congratulates Kirk on his promotion, but when he expects an apology in return, he doesn't get one and he storms off. And then Spock is introduced to Kirk by Uhura. And they all three kind of sit down. All three members of the crew <laughs> that we're going to recognize minus Chapel uh, from the original series are here. Star Trek cringe. It's a weird way to play the scene to have Uhura look at them shaking their eyes and be like, ah, oh, fuck yeah, they're shaking hands. Like, that's the moment I've been waiting for, right? Again, that's that's like, this is the whole uh, make the ship go. Like, there's things that we as a fan, like, huh, mm-hmm. huh, yeah, you see that, huh? Um, That I don't know that it's appropriate for the care. Like, why would Uhura... Like, I mean, there's a satisfaction of, like, I'm, I am I like this guy, I like this guy, they'll probably like each other, I'm putting them together. Um, But, like, it was, like, this kind of knowing, like, fuck, yeah, it's Spock and Kirk shaking hands. And like, I just thought it's, the like, moment. it border, like, it's, the, it's, it's, they didn't make it a big, a very big moment, and the way they made it a big moment is have one crew member who shouldn't be like, huh, huh, get it, viewer, <laughs> huh? This is a big momentous thing happening. And, like, I don't know, feel felt a little weak. Little weak next to me. Next episode, her goes to the future, sees the Spock Kirk Enterprise, comes back now, and she's avoiding the temporal cops, but she's slyly putting them together. Yeah. 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 That's just true. That's true. They can <laughs> the temporal cops can fix a lot of problems with some of these. Every single issues. crew member has had an experience with every other crew member in the future, and they can't talk about it. That's what's happening here. Yeah. What would be the funniest uh, thing I, for Uhura to flash forward to? Her kissing Kirk <laughs> on the gladiator planet, her doing the naked fan dance, mm-hmm. uh, her trying to bluff her way through a Klingon checkpoint. Like, <laughs> Oh, God. So many great Uhura moments. Yeah. Uh, it, it did feel like a big moment to me as an audience member, but maybe not, maybe not with the rest of the episode. Um. I, I like the way that they end this episode. You know, they kind of sit down. They're clearly going to talk, share a drink. And then the camera just kind of drifts away as some jazz music plays. I, I thought it was a appropriately uh, toned final uh, thing to leave this episode with. But it's yeah, overall, it felt a little misplaced. It's weird because it's the kind of grace note you usually get at the end of a season. That's what uh-huh. it felt to me like, like a big closing of a chapter. It, it, it's like very classy, the slow pull out through. Are they calling yeah. this? T- what the name is? What is the name of this fucking bar? I I don't know. I don't know what the TOS bar is called. All right. Uh, turns out I looked it up. It's called uh, the Port Galley. I don't know if they've named that on the ship or if it did. It's probably something that Pike just threw off. And But yeah, there's and it implies there's an aft galley. Yeah. Or I'm sorry, Starboard Galley. Star- Starboard Galley. It's gotta be more hmm. than one galley on Enterprise. But yeah, I, I think it's a cool it's a seems like a massive upgrade over ten forward. An upgrade? I think so. Oh, I, I, I was, don't know. I was like ten forward view. looks like a, a big conference room. That has great view. Yeah. Yeah. I mean they were working with eighties technology. Yeah, it's all that hotel lobby looking shit. Because the original series bar <laughs> does not look like an upgrade in any way. Yeah. Did they have one? Uh-huh. 
Yeah, they, a couple of times they use that. I remember in the uh, Tribble episode. Yeah, right. That. Like, uh, and then like in Space Mat, because I remember uh, a fight breaking out between Chief Scott and somebody. Yes, that was, I think that was in the That's Tribble the episode. One? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. That was a nut. That was just a closet. <laughs> That's a brute closet of Desilu <laughs> yeah. that they 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 uh-huh. threw some Art Deco shit into. Um. All right. I forgot what we're. But but yeah, the ending of this. Uh, was yeah it's because it's treating as a big moment Mm -hmm. and it is a big moment yeah it's weirdly anticlimactic big moment but that's it that's the end of the episode shields up here come the ads at ease ensigns welcome back to baldly go uh, if you would like to send us feedback, you can do so at Star Trek at baldmove.com. Several people took us up on that offer. Let's consider their feedback, Jim. Nicole K is first, says, loving your coverage of Strange New Worlds. I do have a quick question. Aaron mentioned something about Vulcans aging more slowly than humans. If that's the case, wouldn't Spock's mother be much older? I was also recently watching the old movies, and she didn't look to be much older than him in those two. How old do you suppose Spock is supposed to be in Strange New Worlds? So I was wrong. I thought Spock was like like 60s, 70s, 80s to uh, Kirk's 30-something in the original series. And it turns out I'm wrong. They're both like uh, the, the, uh, Kirk and Spock were born. I think Spock is three years older hmm. and because uh, he was born in like 2260 and Kirk was born in 2263. And they are like in right now in the I think Spock would be in his late 20s, maybe 30. And Kirk would be like 26, 27. Okay. So they're very young people. And I I guess I buy Amanda Grayson being fit, you know, like, you know, with 23rd century technology being in Mm her early 50s. Hell, she's 40, like 42 in real life. So it's like it's not that big of a stretch. Um, so yeah Uh, Narl says in reference to your brief discussion about the models versus CG in Star Trek I've been checking out the old series on Paramount Plus in between episodes and they have replaced all their models with horrible late 90s early aughts CGI it's an absolute travesty and kind of hurts the eyes practical effects are forever that stuff is for never have you know what he's talking about because I've seen these remastered Star Trek episodes the original series or yes oh I haven't seen the original remaster I'm going to try to find one that I because like I remember seeing these for the first time a couple years ago and I remember thinking they looked good because Mm -hmm. the old models looked bad in some cases and there's an episode about it with a Romulan Warbird and I remember thinking the Romulan Warbird looked a lot cooler than I remembered it but it might be be, yeah Mm -hmm. it's been like maybe 10 years so maybe they uh, because that's the thing like you look at special effects on television shows even 10 years ago Mm-hmm. holy hell there's a huge gap between movies and tv and nowadays i don't fucking know i don't know that i've ever seen yeah. a movie as good looking as like foundation or mm-hmm. uh yeah i don't care for the show itself but i, I thought that the uh lord of the rings thing the amazon is like it it had some jaw-dropping looking things like i there's no yeah. difference between movie and television effects at this point maybe they need to re-remaster it there you go Every 10 years, we can just remaster all of Star Trek, except for DS9, which they're apparently never going to fucking touch. That 4x3 aspect with the bad... Dude, yeah. you can't get the like the original 35mm, because like, those are problems... 
there's problems with 35 millimeter scans and that like if you do them widescreen sometimes like you'll see mic booms and shit yeah. because they that wasn't intended to way but like you can't get the th- they 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 that there's just a shit broadcast quality yeah they've never remastered those even on paramount plus they haven't done what they did with like tng I imagine Voyager got the same treatment because it was it, that that wasn't uh, high def. That's a travesty. Ready. That that would be a travesty if Voyager got remastered and DS Nine did not. D Space Nine needs to get. Yes. I wonder if they just threw away the thirty five millimeter because like that should be an easy project. Just fucking scan the thirty five millimeter tapes. I mean, yeah, you know, for something a, the size, it's expensive of, to to rescan stuff at high resolutions, and there's a lot of it. It's not just a movie, right? It's like seven seasons yeah. of 26 episodes True. each. So True. hundreds of hours of that. Uh, Mark says, you were talking about the relevance, the relevance rather, of Kirk and the old series to today's newer Star Trek fans. I'm a longtime Trek fan. I was a young kid in the 60s during the original broadcast of the old series, so I've grown up with Trek. Longtime fans, by necessity, have a particular point of view regarding the old show, given that they've experienced the show and it's all our incarnations that kind of blinds them to how new viewers would view the old series. However, I vicariously have been able to experience seeing the old series for the first time by watching reaction videos of younger viewers, typically millennials on YouTube. Hmm. There's one YouTube channel in particular I've been watching, Target Audience, that has a mission of watching all the Trek content in release order. They started with season one, episode one of the old series. Okay course the man trap um and they're currently in the middle of the run of the animated star trek series which ran from 73 to 74 the two guys running the channel have been asked multiple times about what surprised them most about the show giving its age they both agree what surprises them the most is just how well the old series stands up today's world obviously not the acting styles or the production values they recognize it's a 60s show after all but what stands out to them specifically are the compelling character relationships and the many and all of the compelling storylines in the episodes. They even found a certain episodes to be very relevant to today's society. For example, season three's Let That Be Your Last Battlefield. They quickly caught on to the special relationship of the big three, of course, Kirk, Spock, McCoy. And for them, this really became a hallmark of those older episodes. Uh, my point here is I wouldn't necessarily be quick to dismiss the relevance of T.O. Uh, the, the old series to the first time modern viewers. Obviously, they didn't ever go out of their way to watch it. They'll have no idea how significant the show is to current mm-hmm. character relationships and newer shows. But I wonder how many new viewers will go back to watch the old series to see what was just a big deal with that show. Um, I mean, you're not wrong. And as an old series enjoyer myself, again, I was a Star Trek fan just like two or three years before the next generation came out. So I was already a big fan of particularly the movies. Uh, I'd seen mm-hmm. most of the old series because it wasn't exactly as easy as just dialing up Netflix to watch it back in the day. But I'd seen all the movies and most of the, the series, and I'd read a bunch of the novels, and then Star Trek Administration came out. And you're right. Like, what's great about the old series is the chemistry between, you know, DeForest Kelly, Leonard Nimoy, and William Shatner, and how they interplayed as their characters. And it is... In my mind, I know that Jim fights me over this, but then he's not seen all the old series. I think it's the best. I think that's the best bridge crew uh, in terms of like the big three. Uh, the next generation, yeah, it's not a big three. And I think that's yeah, special and unique. It's a big and, two. And, and, and <laughs> no, it's like, what's, what's yeah, the big Picard three? Really? You don't think, because I think, I think I find it hard to separate. 
Picard, Data, Riker, Jordy, Troy, Worf. Oh, it's a big seven. And Beverly. Yeah, I do. I do think that that's, that's the fucking uh, bridge crew. Um, yeah, yeah. And it's like, yeah, like, like it's it's hard to imagine how dominant the the Holy Trinity was back in the old series, but but that's the way. But like you, you know, these millennials, you know, obviously they're doing this for content, and you know, they had a. I just think it's it's if if people want to go back and watch it, I think it's great, and they'll probably be rewarded, um, especially if you give it a season to kind of fully acclimate. But it's also a big ass to have somebody go back and watch these. Yeah rough old joes you know that's the thing that that always strikes me is like how few younger people will actually do that i think if they did yeah they'd probably appreciate it in the light that you want them to appreciate it in but also they're just not gonna because there's so much new content even in just star trek even in this franchise alone there's plenty of new content to keep them busy um yeah i i don't think it's a matter of like they they won't enjoy what they're seeing it's more a matter of when will they ever have the opportunity or the incentive to go view it? Yeah. I'm trying to think of like, it's like, yeah, that's the thing. It's like, I'm dealing with the fact that like, I really want to watch the Godfather of my son, but I know he'll think it's a boring piece of shit right now. So I'm going to have to wait until like, he's at least 23, 24 before I even try it. And there's, it's like, I'm, he's 30 years older than I was. And it was kind of a big ass for me to go back to watch this old movie. You know, I, Mm -hmm. I think it's my, it's now my favorite movie of all time, but like, I, there's going to be a point where the Godfather is so old and so unrelatable that even though it's going to be like, uh, you know, uh, the citizen Kane, Mm -hmm. like, Oh, it's a brilliant movie, but like, it's nobody's favorite. Right. And I think that's where the old series is at right now. It's great for its time very nostalgic but and and there are going to be people that like you know there's 16 year olds right now discovering Casablanca and thinking it's the greatest thing since slice but those are exceptional people not that they're great it's just that they're (laughs) They're you know they're at the the extreme ends of the bell curve of of being able to appreciate uh and it's a big ask and I always think when I when I meet someone that is able to appreciate that stuff I think oh wow that's really cool rather than like why don't all these whippersnappers appreciate how amazing Forrest the Kelly was when he'd cock his eyebrow at something stupid Spock said, you know, or calls him a green-blooded Vulcan or what, you know, like if if you can't appreciate that, good for you. If not, I totally understand. I'm getting an itch, man. I'm getting a Star Trek itch. I don't know if you know what this feels like, but I just, I'm almost done with my DS9 rewatch. Um, I got about a season and a half left of that. I've been watching some good Star Trek lately. I'm, I'm feeling like I want to go back and watch some more Star Trek, fill in some of those gaps. I think it's the right call to do TOS first. I think and so because it's it's a short commitment. Voyager. I, I'm, I might be getting insane here, but I kind of have an itch to go fill in that gap of Voyager. No, we talked about this offline last <laughs> night, and I'm kind of, I'm kind of feeling it too. It's dangerous because uh, I remember how I felt about Voyager. I'm just wondering if now 20 years to 25 years, however long it's been later, I'll be able to appreciate it more. Well, your expectations are different. Like my expectations mm-hmm. for Voyager when I was watching it was like, this should be right out of the gate as good as TNG and Deep Space Nine were. And that's not, I wasn't even a fair expectation for Voyager because right. the next generation fucking sucked for uh-huh. all of season one, most of season two. And but Deep it was Space contemporary Nine, with the tail end of a very good Star Trek series. So like, right. 
and right. contemporary with the beginning of a Star Trek series that I think starts out the best of any of them, Deep Space and Nine. I, yeah, but still, I think season one is undeniably the weakest season, and there are some pretty weak episodes in that first season. And Voyager, sure. like maybe Voyager oh, yeah. gets her shit together after episode season two and, you know, goes on just fine. I wouldn't know because I, I boned out a second that seven of nine showed up, which I guess is kind of when this show grows out its beard, pops its collar. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. I wouldn't mind giving Voyager a second chance. Um, the old series would be a lot of fun to rewatch, but uh, yeah, maybe in the off season, I'll take a look at those. All right, last email. Alan says, maybe I'm just a dirty, dirty fuckboy myself, but I've never understood this. Why do people believe that when a guy gets dumped, even if it's softened by couching it as we need to take a break, he has some kind of moral obligation to remain celibate for a period of time? Screw that. Um, okay, here's the cheat code. You don't have to give a shit what she thinks unless you want to get back together with her. And like... <laughs> Spock in this thing as that because because yeah if you never you're like yo fuck fuck me fuck you then yeah go go fuck go dick down nurse chapel the very the very day your betrothed your Vulcan betrothed that you shared a mind meld and and Katra with do that but like don't expect her to be super fucking happy that your actions which demonstrated a lack of trust and caused your fiance to be confused asking for a break and some time to think about things don't ask her to do you any favors when she comes back and find out that oh yeah i just went on a fucking mad bender through the the junior officers of the the enterprise's medical division like Mm -hmm. you can have that expectation but you will be disappointed so yeah like fuck yeah like yeah fuck uh to pring if uh you're spock and you don't ever want to give a shit about her ever again but i don't think that's spock so i think he's being foolish yeah no the way he left it was like not, a fuck boy. we're done forever and the way he left it was we might get back together we just need some time to think about this yeah and again it was his fuck up too like it's not mm-hmm. like you know to was just like you know i just i'm just it's she he i think kind of has historically done her a little bit dirty mm-hmm. and uh he's doing some fuck boy shit and i don't think to is a, a fuck boy appreciator enjoyer so it's probably <laughs> not gonna go well i've you know i've i've watched ahead yeah. I've seen the old series. I see how this goes. I've seen Cable right? Guy. I know how it goes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've seen a one episode of Futurama. Mm-hmm. That's feedback for the week. Star Trek at baldmove.com is how you send us more. Uh, you can follow us on all social media at baldmove, except for TikTok, which is baldest move. We were late to the party and someone swiped some, some seven follower account swiped in and got bald move. Secondly, or finally, uh, you can also support us at support.baldmove.com if you'd like to keep us going. Over half of our operating income comes from direct listener support, so we do depend on people thinking what we do here is of value. So if uh, we made you smile, made you laugh, have been your constant companions for several seasons of quality television, uh, check it out, support.baldmove.com, because you can start skipping ads and you get a whole bunch. There's even, believe it or not, even more podcasts with us in it, exclusive for club members. Support.baldmove.com. We will be back for next episode when episode seven drops. Star Trek at baldmove.com for the feedback. And otherwise, we'll see you then next week. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. See ya.